0: and there's no snow on the ground, but that doesn't change Christmas, does it? I want to read a passage in 1 John that identifies who Christ is. Maybe if we don't know who he is, maybe we're still wondering who this Jesus guy really is. Well, this identifies very clearly Jesus as the Word that became flesh. 1 John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, in that first sentence... The Word is mentioned three times, and each time it's mentioned is capitalized. That means that Jesus Christ is the Word, and he was with God at the very beginning of time. It says, Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and th- though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Do you see the significance of what's happening? He, Jesus, came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to... To become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The Word, capital Word, became flesh. Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. That's what this season is all about.
1: An angel came to see Mary. She was doing laundry, and then the angel just appeared, and she was really scared. So Gabriel was like, Mary, you're going to have... What? I can't say good. Mary, you're going to have a baby. You're going to have a baby, and you will call him Jesus. And then Mary was like, I'm not going to have a baby yet. I'm only a teenager. I'm not married. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary is not lying. She, You are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. (laughs) A camel. Oh, yeah, a camel. She said... This donkey's fast. Well, they tried to go to a hotel and they asked the keeper um for a place to stay. And the keeper said, "We have no rooms, literally no rooms." So Mary and Joseph walked away sadly. But then he said, "The only place in here in Bethlehem and that." That you can stay, stay is a staple and then he just pointed the way and they followed. When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, and then they saw angels. The angel said, a new baby is getting, getting born who is king of the Jews. The angel was singing. Glorious. And then the shepherd said, "I think we should go there and meet him." The second I think said, "Yeah, I agree with you." And the other said, "Yeah, me too." They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes. Maybe have to camp out a night. And then the wife and heard about it, and then a star appeared. We should probably follow that star it's landing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one. And have at home. Some diapers, and some wipes, and some milk, some <laughs> shoes, some Jordans. Gold, ring, and Latimer. And I don't know how it would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think he probably pooped because the room was very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's going to be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby i ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is going to change the world.
0: This is my granddaughter, Micah Wells, and this is her sister, Joelle Wells. This time I have Caden, my grandson... <laughs> awesome. And this was Ebby, Ebbele, my granddaughter. Thank you. It's beautiful. You know, the Christmas season is an interesting time of life, isn't it? I mean, how easily we can become overwhelmed with the busyness of life. And it's all good. I mean, we're getting busy, we're getting ready for family to come home, shopping for food, shopping for gifts, all those beautiful things. And you know, the thing that I find so maybe upsetting is that sometimes those good things can also become the bad things. Because we can get so busy with our Christmas season, so busy with our planning, so busy with the parties, again, the good things. We can become so busy with those that we forget really what the season's about. I think this is a season that we need to think about and ponder a little bit. And I think that last song that they sung really brought the message home that Jesus didn't come just to live, He came to die. He came as a gift for all of us. My daughter, Summer, is gifted with her great-grandfather's gift of pose and poetry. And she wrote a very interesting poem, a very beautiful poem, about the gift of Christmas. And I'm going to ask her if she would come and read it for us now. It's titled, Behold the Word.
2: pondering oh, sorry that was loud. Uh, how it must have been for Mary to hold that baby, you know, that night, and um, what a, an amazing mystery and miracle it would have been. But before he was a baby, like John tells us, which we already read, he was the Word. He is the Word. He was in the beginning with God, and yet he still is present with us today through his Word. And We live in a time of history and in a country up to this point where we have the freedom to hold in our very own hands God's word. And so I was just pondering the beauty of that throughout all of scripture. And that's where this poem came from. And uh, part of Hebrews chapter 1 verses 2 through 3 inspired it as well. And it says, in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom Also, he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So that led to Behold the Word. In the beginning, the Word was. The Word was very God. Proceeding from the Father's will, the spoken Word was good. And light burst forth, and with it life All things were made through him. The word, the son, God's blessed one, God's plan to save from sin. Then on that blessed holy night, the word man flesh became. His birth would give man life and light. The sent one, Jesus named. As Mary held him in her arms, she held the word of God. He came to tabernacle here and left where angels trod. The God-man grew, for me and you obeyed the law, did he? The image of the holy God, God's glory for man to see. He taught with all authority, God's message he revealed. He gave the words of life for all, true light, no more concealed. Through his death and resurrection, God's plan was made complete. Old Testament words foretelling Satan, Christ did defeat. And now, believer, in your hands, you hold God's words still true. The person And the work of Christ, true life and light for you.
0: Thank you so much. It was beautiful. Thank you so much. You know, Jesus is the gift for the Christmas season. And we've all heard it. Jesus is the reason, right? That little cliche. And sometimes we look at that and we don't know the significance or maybe we don't realize how significant that is. But I want to just ask a couple questions that we could ponder this season. The first question I would ask is, what did Christmas cost heaven? What did Christmas cost heaven? Then the second question I want to ask and talk about briefly is, if you could ask Jesus what he wanted for Christmas what do you think he would answer? So let's talk about number one. What did Christmas cost heaven? Well, clearly that day must have been bittersweet. Hmm. The word that was with God for all time willingly left his home in heaven, willingly left to become a seed in the womb of a young teenage girl. Never to be the same. Never to be the same. Because as far as we know, when we get to heaven, we're going to see the nail scars in Jesus' hands. We're going to see the scars in his feet. We're going to see the scars that were laid upon his back. And he's never going to be that perfect that he was before he came. So that changed him forever. So do you understand the cost? What it cost Jesus. And then think about the heavenly home. A third of the Godhead is no longer in heaven. The Holy Spirit, God the Father, Jesus the Son. And Jesus says, I'm going on a mission. And I'm going to be gone for a period of time, 33 years. And heaven must have been a little bit empty. Do you think? Because he wasn't there. Jesus and the Father were separated for their first time of all eternity for a while because Jesus became flesh. Yes, he's fully God, but he also is fully flesh, fully man. So I think it cost heaven a great deal. I think Christmas cost heaven a great deal, and I don't think that we appreciate it, and I don't think that we ever will fully appreciate it until we're there, until we can see Jesus face to face and we can look at his hands and we can see the scars in his brow where they shoved that crown of thorns, and we can understand the penalty that he paid, and we can see that hole in his side that Doubting Thomas put his finger in that had to prove that Jesus was alive again. And I think maybe when we see him then, maybe we'll appreciate what heaven really lost on Christmas Day. Yet I say it's bittersweet because the sweetness came later, Right, Jesus didn't come just to live here for a period of time. Jesus came to live with a purpose and a mission and his mission was to do what? His mission was to be that perfect sacrifice. To take our sin so that then we could have eternity with him. So now that leads me to question number two. If we had the opportunity to ask Jesus what he wanted for Christmas, what do you think his answer would be? Well, as a parent and I've raised four children and almost every Christmas one of my children if not all of them would say Dad, what do you want for Christmas? Remember that guys? And you gave me a bunch of ties thank you for those I got those I don't wear ties anymore but I needed them when you got them and I thank you for that and you gave me a lot of other things a lot of artwork a lot of beautiful things but most of the time I would answer back to you guys I really don't need anything Because I didn't. And I would answer, all I really want for Christmas is for you guys to be good kids. Just be good. Love each other. Love your mom and dad. Be good people. Love Jesus. Get to know who he is. That's what I was meaning when I said, just be good kids. Make me proud of who you were and who you are and all the, all, and, and just make our lives easy. And so that's really what all I wanted for Christmas. So now when I think of it that way, and I think about asking Jesus, Jesus, what do you want for Christmas? What do you think Jesus would say? I think he would say, just be good. Love me. Love your brothers and sisters. Come into my home. Be adopted. Be my brother. Be my sister as an adopted. Son of God. And, you know, I think when I think of that, and I think of the significance of what that means, then I also think about what it would be like if my children would have given me a gift and I would have said, no, I don't want it. No, I don't want that tie. No, I don't want that piece of art. No, I don't want that. How do you think it would have made my child feel if I would have rejected that gift? So now let's think about heaven again. God the Father has given Jesus, his son, to us. And how do you think he feels if I reject it? How do you think he feels if I say, no, Father, God, I don't want him. I have my own life. I have my own way of doing things. I have my own agenda. I have my own plans. I don't have time for him. How do you think that would make God feel? I don't think we can appreciate that either I don't think we can appreciate the rejection that God must feel the pain that he must feel if I reject the gift and on the other hand if I receive the gift how much joy do I give to the Father If I say, yes, Father, thank you so much for giving me your son. Thank you for giving me a way out. Thank you for giving me a hope and a promise of eternity that I can spend eternity with you. Not just can I have a a good life here, a fulfilled life here, because I'll tell you, and I think we all know this, the world cannot offer peace. The world can offer nothing to us that really satisfies us for a long term. It might give us a, a, a few moments of, of joy, a few moments of satisfaction, but at the end, we know it's not, it's not enough. We know it's not enough to, to give us fully satisfaction. The only, that, the only thing that gives us that is the gift of Jesus. So as we think about Christmas this year, I just want to challenge us all to think about those questions. How much did Christmas cost heaven? And truly, what does Jesus want for Christmas? And are you giving him the gift that he most desires? I pray that we are. I pray that that settles into your heart and that in the busyness of the Christmas season that we recognize that Jesus really all he wants is you. All he wants is you. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for what you've done for us. I thank you, Lord, that you were the word made flesh for us today. I thank you for all that you mean. I thank you, God, being the heavenly father that you are that you thought enough of us, that you loved us enough to send your son to become our savior. And so Lord, I would just pray that we all would receive him this morning. I pray that we would all just examine our hearts this morning and, and ask ourselves, have I received the gift? Have I received the gift? You can this morning. It's very simple. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I recognize that I have done things wrong. I have not been that perfect son or daughter, and I need to be forgiven. And so I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. And when I do that, I am receiving the gift of heaven, that most gracious gift that we can even begin to comprehend what it really means until we come to our final day our final breath here and Lord I pray that by receiving the gift now that we recognize the reality of what that first breath of eternity is going to be that first breath of heaven if I've received the gift or that first breath in hell if I reject the gift because we have to recognize what rejection means it just doesn't make Jesus it doesn't make God unhappy it will be an eternal punishment for you and I for the rest of our lives if we reject that gift and it's so important that we receive it. And so, Father, I welcome you into my life today. And I thank you for all that you mean to us. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, we, have, we do a special thing. And it's why, it's why we call it candles and carols, right? We've had the carols. Now we need the candles. Does everybody have a candle? All right. Uh, if you would stand up with me. Uh, And you might need to kind of scoot towards the aisle because we do something kind of interesting here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to light my candle and then I'm going to uh, come down and I'm going to light Pastor Rip's candle and I'm going to light Jeannie's candle. Then I'm going to ask you to light the candle of the person next to you. And this is sharing the light of who Jesus is. Jesus is the light, right? Didn't we say that already today? That Jesus is the light of the world and this represents who he is. So when you take a look, when you get your candle lit, I'm going to light Chris's, then you can light Jeannie's. And Pastor Rip, you can light Elaine's. You know, it's interesting. A couple things that I notice when I look at this candle. First of all, I recognize how fragile the flame is. How quickly I can blow it out. Or I can move too quickly and it blows itself out. Isn't that kind of the way our Christian life is sometimes? Is our Christian life kind of fragile? Can we blow our light out? Can we move too quickly? And maybe don't let the candle get burning bright. And I notice also that the longer it burns, the stronger it gets. Not as fragile now. I can move it around a little bit more now that I've got a good solid candle burning. Another thing I notice about a candle is when you're sharing the light, when you're sharing your flame, did it take away from your flame? Did it make your flame smaller? when you gave some of your flame to your neighbor? No, it doesn't. That's the amazing thing. This is the eternity of God's word. This is the all omniscience and the omnipotence of God is that I can light my candle and I can share the truth of God's word to somebody else and it doesn't make my candle any less. In fact, for that season when I'm sharing the light, my candle burns brighter. My flame is brighter as my flame is lighting the one next to me. Again, indicative of our life in Christ. The more we share Christ, the brighter our flame begins, our, our, our becomes. And the more we do this, the stronger it becomes. Doesn't that makes? Isn't that nice? Amen. Everybody, got your candle lit? All right, Jackie, would you just lead us? Father, we just thank you so much again for your gift today. We thank you for the light that this candle represents. And I pray, Lord, that we let our light shine and that people will know that we have Christ Jesus in our heart. We received him on this Christmas day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now carefully, carefully, blow out your candle. and Don't blow wax on your neighbor. Relief, And that is, I want to give some gifts to those that have been faithfully serving in our ministry this year. Pastor Rip, thank you for being a pastor to us. Appreciate that. Tom and Treasure, thank you for your blessings to us and your faithfulness. And again, Jackie, for you and Larry, amen. Thank you. And I have a gift for all of you, too. As you walk out the door today, on the table out there, there's a a little book called Holy Moments. So I bought gifts for everyone. So please take a book, read this. It just talks about how we allow holy moments in our life and how we look and we expect and we anticipate God moments in our life. So just take a book like this and read it. And uh, Merry Christmas. Amen. Be blessed. Merry Christmas.